This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. What's up, listeners? Thanks for tuning in. This is another great episode of Rocks to Roots. I'm here with my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Uh, not too much. Getting everything in the ground at the farm. Woohoo! Making life happen. It's nice. wonderful. Yeah, that sun is finally breaking out today, so happy to see the warm weather returning. Oh, yeah. Our bees are actually happy. They finally came out of their hive. They started buzzing around. Hopefully, they're going to forage and get some pollen and do all their deal, and we'll have um, a healthy hive, hopefully. Oh, awesome. Well, looking forward to some honey from the vet's farm this summer. Yeah. Well, we have another really fun episode today. We are talking with Krista Froberg of Happy Mountain Mushrooms. Thanks for being here, Krista. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, I was asking you how to pronounce your name because I didn't want to butcher it. (laughs) It's Froberg. It is. And tell us a little bit about the story about your last name. Uh, Yeah, so Froberg actually means Happy Mountain, which is why we're called Happy Mountain Mushrooms. Uh, yeah, so it, I like when people have their name in their business because you can't really hide. If, you know, something goes bad, it shows you're <laughs> sort of proud of what you're doing. Uh, and it, I think it makes you a carter, but I'm also fairly shy, so I didn't want to just have Froberg mushrooms out there. It's <laughs> uncomfortable, so it was a good, uh, a good kind of alternative to that. Um, but yeah, my, my, um, dad's, dad my grandfather is like really big he was really big in the ag scene worked for the wsda uh yeah and we have a part of town uh up in like linden area washington that's sort of like named after froberg and has some happy mountain stuff up there so uh just kind of like an ode to him and his sort of legacy and agriculture and he was always a real big supporter of the mushroom farm dream so and it sounds cool too. So. Yeah, it really does. What nationality is that last name? Um, so I'm Swedish, and he's Swedish. He's from Sweden, uh, over here, straight. So, um, yeah, but the Froberg is, uh, I think it's like the Germanic language. Okay, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I have had, had a lot of people ask, and uh, who are you interviewing today? And I was like, Happy Mountain Mushroom, and um, they all are like, Oh, Happy Mountain Mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> So that's really cool. It's actually your last name translated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get that a lot. Like at farmer's <laughs> markets, you know, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that kind. Like, it's not a little yet, different. But yeah. <laughs> so Krista, tell our listeners, what is Happy Mountain Mushrooms? Yeah. So uh, we are a, I guess you could call gourmet mushroom farm. Um, by gourmet, it's just we grow mushrooms other than like your cremini, button, portobello mushrooms in the grocery store. Um, we grow everything indoors, um, and we grow about 10 to 12 different variety all, all year round. Okay. And what was um, kind of your first um, interest or your first spark into getting into mushrooms? Uh, yeah, so I think mushrooms kind of chose me more than I chose mushrooms. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I studied um, like microbiology in school. 
and knew I wanted to work in a laboratory. Uh, I just like to put headphones on and kind of <laughs> rather be by myself. So uh, I knew I wanted to work in a lab after school and started, I uh, moved down to the Lake Tahoe region and started um, looking for work there and found, we just started writing all these companies that had labs um, in, in sort of any industry. And one of the companies I wrote happened to be a medicinal mushroom supplement manufacturer. Uh, and they had a lab and it, you know, fast forward, I ended up working in that lab, uh, being in charge of the culture bank and the spawn production there. Um, so before that, I really didn't know much about mushrooms. Uh, my introduction was purely through that, uh, my, you know, career. I was there for, f uh, five, six years, um, helping them grow mushrooms and keep their spawn bank, got into some regulatory stuff. Uh, and then from there, I started working with um, a mushroom consulting firm uh, who sets up mushroom farms across, well, the world, actually. I've been to a couple other countries doing it. So I've just learned a lot about uh, mushroom farms, what works, what doesn't work in different climates. And that's kind of sort of how I got started. Uh, I always knew I wanted to have my own farm eventually. And then I moved back to Spokane. I have no idea how long it's been now. I, I always, <laughs> I always say two years and I think it's been like eight or something. Um, but it doesn't feel like that long. And, and when I move back, all I know is mushrooms. That's all I've ever done professionally. So it sort of seemed like that's what I needed to do here. And there was a market for it. No one was doing it. So, yeah, definitely. um, that's sort of how I got into it. So in your travels, did you find or do you find there's different techniques outside the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, very much so. Better or worse? Uh, it depends. So like in Europe, they have like super advanced um, cultivation technology. So a lot of like the major mushroom farms, especially like button mushrooms um, in those large farms, all of their technology comes from like the Netherlands and they have um, all these grow systems and all this engineering over there. That's like a huge mushroom industry. It's really interesting. Um, but then I've been to like Colombia where they had a mushroom farm and it is like, uh, I love the country. As bare as you can get? <laughs> uh, it's rough. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it was kind of like, I don't know if I would eat them, you know, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but like totally different. Um, you know, one's like very sterile lab, like, and one is very much like, um, plastic over, you know, hoop house, but not quite even a hoop house type of thing. And both of them, you know, were more or less successful. So, uh, it's quite different. There's a lot of ways to grow mushrooms, which is one of the great things about it. Lots to learn. Heck yeah. <laughs> So what really made you take that leap to go ahead and start your own sufficient business um, growing mushrooms? Um, yeah, probably my partner, Tanner, who uh, also co-owns the farm. He was really like a big push. I talked about it for a long time and he was like, stop talking about it and just do it. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like that. He's the motivation pretty much behind it all. And I get like, you know, kind of down on something. He's like, what, you know, what are you doing? Um, he has great perspective on everything, but, uh, I, I, I kind of knew like what I wanted to do scale wise, you know, to start small and what I needed facility wise and equipment wise, um, to start. So we were renting at the time and we just started looking for, I think we lived here for about a year and we're looking for, uh, the right property. Uh, at the time we were just looking for like a shell of a pole building, mm -hmm. a okay. shop or 
Um, and so we found a property with that exact thing, had um, a decent size like yard just to put our compost in and stuff. Um, and we bought that and then just went for it right away and built out that facility and um, have just been growing from there. So, How many different types of species of mushrooms did you start growing initially? Yeah, so initially we actually were growing mushrooms like quite a bit different than we're growing them now. There's more or less two main ways you can grow mushrooms, and the way we started was growing on straw. Um, so we were growing oyster mushrooms to start only. That's typically um, the only mushroom that will grow on straw, but we grew maybe four or five different variety of oyster. And then we have changed our um, processing, our, our substrate and our processing now so that we can grow all different varieties. And how many varieties do you grow now? Um, we grow about 12 and we uh, sort of rotate them throughout the year. Awesome. And you said you're growing gourmet mushrooms for medicinal purposes. So out of the mushrooms you grow out of the 12 varieties, are they all medicinal? Um, I think there's a mushroom for everything. And I guess it depends on, you know, what you would define as medicinal in, in this sense. But they all have benefits. Um, so even some of the mushrooms, um, like we have like a chestnut and a piopino that don't necessarily have like clinical studies on them or, or trials or anything um, against specific diseases, but they all have like really high vitamin D and high protein in them um, and can help. And, and all of them have um, what are called polysaccharides and uh, beta-glucans. And so those are all like immune system um, stimulating and modulating compounds. And so even the mushrooms that um, haven't been showed to like target specific um, diseases or ailments, they still will have a polysaccharide content in them that's beneficial to your immune system. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to talk about the benefits of the different types of mushrooms that you guys grow. Um, but I kind of want to um, pivot back to starting a mushroom business. And so what were really um, some of the main important factors that you Gauged when you were deciding to start the farm, and what do you think are probably the most important things to focus on if they're if somebody is out there and thinking about starting their mushroom farm? Yeah, uh, I think probably deciding you, you know what style or what type of processing you want to do. So, like I mentioned, there's you can grow mushrooms on straw, which is awesome because it's cheap and really readily available in our area. Um, you also don't need a ton of equipment to process that. It's a cold pasteurization process. So you just can use garden lime and like a barrel. Um, so if you want to do that uh, versus a hardwood sawdust substrate where you need more equipment, sterilizing equipment, um, and more of like a clean room style um, area to, to make to make the bags. Um, so I would say like just considering that what you want to, what you want to do and your resources on that um, would be good. And then also if your intent is to grow seasonally or year round, um, because that really makes a difference on your infrastructure, you could grow seasonally in hoop houses, greenhouses um, outside even, uh, or, you know, if, if you wanted to grow year round, you would need uh, more of an indoor space. So um, just kind of thinking about those things and what your goals are there. If you want it to be a full-time job, part-time job, um, and then just your resources for scaling um, and how big you want to be your growth 
projections and such are all thing, good things to consider. Did you start out full-time or did you do it as kind of an on-the-side part-time business for a while? Yeah, um, it started out kind of on-the-side part-time for a while, like as we got started. Um, my partner, Tanner, still works full-time. Um, and he's sort of like auxiliary support and does like all the maintenance and, uh, building and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he's sort of like the brains behind it and the, the like logical thinker. And I'm like up in the clouds, like we could do this. He's like, could we though? Um, it's a good balance. Yeah, it it works really good. Sometimes it's like, you know, (laughs) come on. (laughs) And then later I'll be like, oh, thank goodness, you know? Uh, yeah. And then just as we started to grow, um, it just became, it's a lot. So, um, you know, it's not just about growing mushrooms. It's sort of all that other stuff, um, harvesting them, packaging them, delivering them, um, you know, getting rid of them, getting rid of your compost, throwing everything away. It turns into this sort of like beast that, uh, I slowly just, you know, now I think I work probably time and a half for sure on it. So, yeah. So obviously getting your own business off the ground, there are many challenges that can present themselves. What were some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome when starting your business? Um, I would say <laughs> the use of social media is probably <laughs> by far my biggest challenge. I would say our biggest challenge because uh, neither me nor Tanner uh, much of social media users on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point we realized we have to, I think, do this. Um, world, that's the way it goes. Yeah. So. And just to get out there and it, that was really tough. Um, I'm still terrible at it, but it's actually was funny because this wasn't that long ago. We, we've been in business for four years and, uh, we were like, where do we start? And I actually, <laughs> we asked his sister to go to dinner with us because she's this, super successful like social media influencer and I was like can you come teach me like how to use Instagram and Facebook and um she we went to dinner and she literally like showed me like what buttons to press and like what hashtags mean and like how to use them and it was really funny yeah and she wanted to she's like oh and then there's like this one and you know all these other platforms i was like no 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 uh so yeah so like, don't get carried away yeah here. <laughs> and i mean it's so important i think for a, a business to have that online presence mm-hmm. um but it's just not in my you know dna i guess so that's definitely was the biggest challenge i never thought i would have to do that i'm still not good at it um, if there's anyone out there who <laughs> plug that a little bit uh and then Uh, also just kind of like the business aspect of it, just kind of getting, um, my head around, you know, how to actually like run this in a way that's not disorganized. Um, and and then, you know, it's only been four years, but there's been so much change to another challenge was honestly just educating people about what we were selling. Mm -hmm. Um, the farmer's markets, there'd be, I mean, there still is, but there's a lot of people who are like, can you eat these? Are these edible? What do I do with these? What are these? Uh, are these going to poison me? Um, wow. So that was a really big challenge to just like continually have conversations with people about, um, no, they're safe. We know. Here's why we know. Mm-hmm. These are what they taste like. You can't eat them. Uh, and and it's. I think those are probably both unique to to me or us. Just the social media thing, obviously. And then now 
mushroom cultivation and mushrooms have become so popular that now it's more people coming up to me saying, I grow mushrooms, you know, and then we have that conversation, which is fun. So mm-hmm. definitely at the time it was a big challenge just kind of being that outsider at, at farmer's markets too. Like, what are these things? And if I'm getting this right, uh, when you're buying mushrooms from someone who's growing them, they're all saprophytic and so are in generally they're healthy for you. They're not parasitic, so they're not going to be poisonous? Uh, correct. More or less. More or less. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, there's the jury still out on whether like cordyceps is a parasite. I don't. I could have that conversation for a while, but like that mushroom is super great for you. Okay. So you and just that's said cordyceps. Yeah. So that's a specific type of mushroom? It is. And okay. it's not a culinary mushroom. It's a medicinal mushroom. Gotcha. Um, is chaga one of those? Yeah. It's a okay. medicinal mushroom, not culinary. There's quite a few. So um, like turkey tail, these like hard, like porous reishi mushrooms that you can't really eat. Okay. Um, traditionally, have always been used to make like tea or powders from. And is there any truth to gills being an indicator that you can eat it and then spores on underneath the cap being an indicator that it's not going to be edible? No. Okay. So yeah. either one could be edible or. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Just random Googling that I did that I need to yeah, clarify yeah. with an expert. You Google's know? great. Google's great. I, Google can get you in trouble. Though. It does. You know, I've had like foot cancer three times from Google. So <laughs> I just like, you know what I mean? You're like I have a headache. Oh no. I have to get a, my foot amputated from this headache. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you guys are in the and currently in the process of moving your farm, correct? Yeah. Okay. So uh, where are you moving, and why did you decide to move? Uh, yeah, we're so we've been on the South Hill on this little plot, um, and we are moving to a new property out in Colbert, um, not too far, just like kind of near Cattails, if you know where that's oh, at. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sort of Cattails Green Bluff area. Um, I always need a reference for Colbert. For some I know. Reason. Well, it's weird. It's really, it's weird. And yeah. then it's funny because you go like not that far south and it's like Spokane in some parts yeah. still. Or like if you go over towards like Wandemere, it's like that's still Spokane. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Um, so yeah, so we just uh, needed more space. <laughs> uh, yeah, ultimately, um, the space that we've been growing out of is about, like our actual growing space that we utilize is probably, I mean, including like all of our rooms, like 700 square feet. Okay. Um, and our new spot is 2,500 square feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. More than double. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm just so excited. I play a lot of Tetris at our um, old spot just like, cause everything's <laughs> on rolling racks. And uh. so I have to like move this rack before I can move this rack, but then I have to move this out of the way, but I have to do this first so I can move it out of the way. And then I have to like shimmy this over here. Uh, it's enough to drive you insane. <laughs> and this new spot, I can like 360 the racks, you know, like next to each other and it, it, I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah. Until you fill it all up with extra mushrooms and then I you know, have the same true. exact issue. That's true. <laughs> you can't actually have free space in a farming industry. I know. <laughs> that's true. You, I will. Yeah. I'm sure you understand. You'll fill it with something. This is empty. Hmm. What can we put here? <laughs> so is it just you and Tanner running the business right now? It, it is. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I think um, this summer we are going to have to bring on some additional help. Mm-hmm either for production market or um clearly social media (laughs) (laughs) another shout out anybody out yeah anyone out there (laughs) um so with this move um obviously you're you're growing no pun intended and um are any 
any of your business models or anything changing as far as the business model goes? Um, yeah, I think so. So we've kind of always wanted to be able to, um, like share more with the, with the public mushroom farming and sort of like educate. And we just haven't been able to do that at our space now. Um, for city ordinance reasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> having people on the property and such. Um, so a lot of what we're going to be doing or hoping to do is is have a lot more like educational um, things. So we want to do like this this like mushroom walk on the property to sort of demonstrate uh, all the cool things mushrooms do. They're really awesome decomposers. Um, we have like a big garden planned so that we can show like the benefit of the mushroom compost that we have. Um, we want to start doing some outdoor um, growing on like logs, different types of logs. And um, we've planted some trees to to show how mushrooms benefit there. And then, um, yeah, kind of just be able to really have people out. Uh, we'll have a farm stand so people can come and buy mushrooms and give tours and uh, just r- really get people more involved in what we're doing. You can sign me up yeah, right now. Yeah, deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dwayne's eyes are all nice and wide and big oh, yeah. over there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what excited. I love. I, I could talk about it forever. So it'll be fun to, you know, hang out with like-minded people and mm-hmm. just, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the business selling aspect of your farm. Um, you said you're going to have a farm stand and you participate in farmer's markets, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we do direct retail uh, such as farmer's markets and then hopefully this farm stand will come to fruition this summer. Um, we do wholesale to some grocery and uh, a couple of restaurants. So most of our product uh, in the summer months goes to farmers markets, and then we we do push a lot of product more recently through uh, Link Foods. If you've heard mm-hmm. of them, yeah. Oh yeah, Brian was on here at uh, Link Mall, <laughs> but still, um, yeah. So we push a lot of product through them, which has been awesome for us. And then, um, yeah, some grocery and restaurant. Are you going to be um, able to go and do the farmer's markets this year with the move and everything still? Yeah. So we're starting a little later than usual. I think we're starting um, the two of them in June instead of May just to try and get things worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we'll still be able to be there. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have um, more than we usually do. Usually we tend to run out and... Um, I feel bad because, you know, we haven't, we've been our, at our max capacity. And so we tend to prioritize like the wholesale accounts just because they keep us um, fat and happy through the winter. <laughs> so sometimes the farmer's markets get like the, you know, raw end of the deal. So we sell out a, a lot or early. And so it'll be fun this year to be able to actually go home with product and be able to give everybody who wants mushrooms, mushrooms. Nice. And- so you have your 12 different varieties of mushrooms. Is there anything more that you sell at the farmer's markets or off your farm? Um, yeah. So the farmer's markets, it kind of varies with all of our, our distribution outlets. The farmer's markets, um, anything that's like cool looking, bright colored, um, pretty sells really well. So like we do pink oyster, golden oyster. Those always sell super fast. Um 
And then the, and variety packs. People really like variety packs. So we do like a mixed pack of, of like whatever we can fit in there at a farmer's market. And those tend to go really well because people like to try them all. Um, for wholesale, we are, are usually uh, an oyster and lion's mane are our big sellers. And then, um, like one of the sort of tradi- like stem and cap type, like the piopino or the chestnut mushroom. So those three are usually like our um, bigger wholesale. Okay, and then online you have um, you have bundles to grow your own. Yeah. Or kits, I should yeah. say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think how got done with tree sale and everything was bundles. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like online and I was like, oh no, what does it say online? <laughs> I was like, I could see my wheel. Oh no. When was that website updated? Yeah. No, yeah. So we do grow your own kits and that has been super fun. Um, so we sell basically ready to fruit blocks uh, with everything okay. that you need to like grow it on your kitchen counter. Um, yeah, so we do oyster, lion's mane, and then a chestnut mushroom out of those. So that's really fun. So that takes yeah. away the need for like a HEPA filter to grow your own yeah. mushrooms because you've already spawned it. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. So you just, and we do them in like, um, it's more for like a novel thing, you know, at your house, um, to show how mushrooms work or to get like okay. one flush, kind of like a cool gift. Um, but yeah, exactly. You can just kind of do it at home. And then we've actually had people like off of that who are like more hobby growers and we, um, will supply them with like pre-inoculated blocks at like more of a bulk or a wholesale, like so that they can actually like grow, um, you know, 20 pounds a week or something for their family or their friends or something like that off of that. But it's been pretty fun. Right. Would y'all ever get into, um, producing and selling the, the liquid spawn? Liquid spawn. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of liquid spawn. Okay. Um, grain, grain spawn. Yeah. So, um, I use grain spawn because, um, spawn is basically like what makes your whole business run. And if you have bad spawn, you don't have a business. And with liquid spawn, there's not a good way to catch contamination in your spawn. Um, because so the way that we do grain spawn is you make like a master grain jar and you can watch it grow out. And typically with like molds, they won't present themselves until they're given like a new environment. So molds can actually like hide in that original grain spawn culture. So we'll take that and expand it into another, a second run of spawn. And that's when we'll see like any contamination that's been happening and we won't use that bag. And with liquid culture, it can be super hard to catch, almost impossible to catch because you can't see it. And you're basically going from like your culture plate to liquid. Gotcha. See, that's why you go to the expert for these things. I would never have even guessed. This is all over my head. I'm just like, spawn? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It has a lot of benefits because it it colonizes super quickly um, and it like it grows really fast. So that's a huge benefit to it. I think is like, you can colonize something with liquid spawn in like four days where grain spawn can be like a week or week and a half. Okay. Um, but for me, it's not worth the risk cause I have a, you know, business riding on yeah, it. I love so. that. You're thinking about the people versus just the, yeah. just the money. So that's yeah. awesome. That's <laughs> so, good on you. I like to hear that. Um, but yeah, so the, and the grain spawn I think is more, um, with, with liquid spawn too, it's like, with bags, you have like special bags you use with these ports where you inject them. And with grain spawn, you can use it to inoculate like anything. Like you could inoculate an outside bed with it. 
Okay. Um, because it still has that kind of carrier that the mycelium is going to grow on, even as it's like getting used to its environment where the liquid, it's, it doesn't really act as a carrier. Mm. Um, especially once you like distribute it, it's sort of, um, the carrier is then your new substrate. Does that make sense? Kind yes. of, so, yeah. And then you also have a mushroom compost. Yeah. That you sell? Yeah. So we, um, compost our mushroom, spent mushroom blocks. Um, we are just starting to use um, red wigglers, but now it's just been weathering and it turns into sort of this like awesome nutrient dense, um, like almost soil compost. And so, yeah, we, um, there's a couple of farms around the area who have used it on their crops and then we sell it by the bag, by the truckload. Um, it usually goes pretty quick. We were talking, um, it's April. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh man, uh, wow, it feels like how, January right? Or December, but I yeah. know this is like I moved here two years ago. Um, it's our our compost pile gets really large over winter. It winterizes, and then like by now it's back empty. So, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, you know, you get some of that mycelium nutrients into your soil. Um, it helps with water retention, and then you'll get mushrooms that fruit out of it too, which is super cool. That is wonderful. So, all you farmers out there, if you can go get a bag, it's awesome. Uh, vegetables, according to Elaine Ingram, is supposed to be a one-to-one ratio of uh, microbes there, bacteria to fungi. So it's a great way to add that fungi in. So for some of our listeners that are more like me, who don't <laughs> know some of these big words, <laughs> can you tell me just kind of like, what is it? Um, what is the process of harvesting mushrooms? How long does it take? When is there a certain time period? Yeah. Yeah. Just general growing questions. Um, do are you curious more about harvesting, or would you like a brief overview of the process, or just the harvest? I think harvesting. Okay, yeah, let's stick to harvesting. Um, yeah, so we continually harvest. Um, okay, I harvest almost daily, um, which makes it very hard to take vacations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't had a real strong vacation in four years, but um, it. Yeah, so we continually harvest. Um, we're continue. We I move um, our colonized blocks into the grow room. Right now, I do it about twice a week, and then um, they all fruit at different times. Okay. So they it will depend on the species. Um, some of them are really quick to fruit. We'll fruit in a week, and some of them are like two weeks or longer to actually fruit. Um, so yeah, it's just, what are some of those species that are the shorter period to grow? Um, so we have a white oyster that is like rapid fire. It's crazy. It colonizes in like seven days and then it fruits in like seven days. So I love that one. Yeah. Um, that one's about a week. And then the, most of the oysters are really quick actually. Yeah. What about the longer term? Um, our, our chestnut strain takes a while to fruit. Um, and then we then then the lion's mane is quick to form fruit but then it's sort of a longer process to mature so speaking about lion's mane i've heard a lot about the neural regenerative properties that it has can you speak on that at all um yeah i can i can kind of speak on what i've read or experienced on that uh experiences are always best yeah well i um take lion's mane myself so um we turn our lion's mane into double extract um, we use an ac- alcohol extract and then a hot water extract, but it's a liquid. And uh, me and Tanner both take that every day. And actually, like everyone we know takes it now. 
Um, and it's really funny because you notice a huge difference, um, and not even necessarily from taking it, but if you forget to take it, um, you can't remember anything that day. Um, and I, I have some customers who, you know, buy it religiously and don't want to run out at all. Um, but yeah, they've done a ton of, a ton of research. Lion's Mane is one of the only one that has actual like clinical studies on the mushroom. Um, okay. itself with Alzheimer's patients and repairing like the sheath around damaged neurons. It's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, peer that's reviewed, awesome. Everything research. I've heard was like, it's rat studies or cell studies, no. but no human studies. Yeah. Peer reviewed. That so real. <laughs> wow. Yes. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, so if you want to get smarter, get your lion's mane. Yeah. <laughs> it's smarter. I don't know, but <laughs> okay, not forget as much. Yeah. Maybe, you want to sound smarter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just dive into it because I know Dwayne's sitting on the edge of a seat right now to talk about mushroom benefits. And so can you kind of just go through the ones that you offer and maybe what some of those benefits of those mushrooms would be? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll talk about the main ones and we we don't grow some of the, you know, real good ones yet. Hopefully with our, our space we can. Um but so one of my favorite kind of overlooked or um, like underdogs is the oyster mushroom. Um, people don't think it has very many benefits, but it's beyond its nutrient value of being insanely high in protein and insanely high in vitamin D. Um, it actually helps lower blood and liver cholesterol. Yeah, so that's an awesome one. Um, Tanner's, uh, his other job, he's a brewer. So we consume a decent amount of, <laughs> um, alcohol. An average amount. <laughs> an average amount of alcohol. Um, and so we are like on the oyster mushroom thing and there's no like proof I haven't got. I mean, I'm healthy. So I think that's, you know, you blood work every once in a while. Um, but that's a really cool one for like people with, um, high cholesterol. To bring that down, they've showed that in studies, and I don't think like peer reviewed, but um, there's a really cool book that um, I have that I always recommend to people that is like really shortened version of the benefits of mushrooms, and then it like actually references studies that they've done, and you can read like just oh, nice. like paragraphs and summaries of the studies. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Um, don't ask me to remember the name. <laughs> I did not take my lines <laughs> made today. Um, yeah, so the oyster one's really great for that. And then um, the lion's mane, obviously, for memory. Um, and then we are working on growing maitake, which is a mushroom that has a lot of benefits um, for, like, they have tumor reduction um, and targeting tumor cells. So that one's really tricky to grow. So we are not quite there yet, but we're working on it. It's a big project. Gotcha. Maitake. So is that related to the shiitake mushroom? It's not. It's not. Okay. Just no, random names. Yeah. But it is also like originally East, like East Asian culture. So that's why it probably sounds similar in name. That yeah. makes sense. Yep. Um, shiitake is another one. So we don't grow shiitake at our current spot very often because of space. Um, it takes forever to grow. So it takes up a lot of shelf space in our really small um, colonizing room and we just don't have the resources to let it sit for three months um, when we can be moving other things through so you said three months versus the two weeks that the yeah shiitake mm -hmm. and and maitake are both like three maitake actually can be like 
quite a few, like five, four or five months. Um, but shiitake is like three months. And so, um, space is valuable at, in that little area we have. So we don't do a ton of shiitake, but that's also one of my favorites to eat. And also medicinally, um, it has a compound called lentinan in it. And they actually use lentinan as like an extract, um, prescription drug in Asian cultures for cancer. Okay. Yeah, nice. I don't. We're a little behind the times here in the U.S., but um, but you're getting yeah, us in the forefront. You know, yeah, yeah. And then we don't grow uh, reishi, but that's something that I I hope to grow in the future. Same thing, same story, space, time. Um, we and and just like growing conditions, we'll we have a, an a, another an extra grow room in our new spot, so we'll be able to grow some of those kind of like more obscure mushrooms that have different conditions than like our typical ones we pump through like the oyster and lion's mane. Um, but reishi is really awesome for um, sort of like relaxation and stress and your nervous system um, and things like that. So that one's pretty cool. And then we don't grow chaga. Chaga is not something you grow you can grow the mycelium, but it doesn't fruit. It only mm-hmm. actually will like form fruits on birch. Um, but chaga mushroom, we do have extracts from that because we've gotten it from um, Alaska before, which is where it grows. It'll grow in Alaska, the East Coast, um, and then Russia. You probably want to stay away from it from Russia just because sometimes it can be contaminated. But um, chaga has, uh, another awesome compound in it called betulinic acid that is really good for, again, um, targeting tumor cells. And they've shown that in clinical studies as well. And the chaga is getting that, uh, betulatum Betulinic acid, yeah. Say it one more time. Betulinic acid. Betulinic acid from the birch tree. Yeah. So if the chaga is growing on one of the other three hardwoods, I think that it grows in. It will not have that compound. Correct. So the good chaga medicinal one is from a birch. Yeah. Do you know if it grows in our area? So I've had people tell me that they've um, seen it in northern Idaho, but I don't know. I haven't seen it myself. Typically, it only grows in like birch forests. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, not like, you know, a couple strands, Um, but I, I don't know. That would have been good to know. I was coming back in December and I was from Texas. And so I just started stopping from Montana all the way through here and just checking out all the birch forests, just walking on people's property. I'm getting yelled at. I'm "I'm just looking for chaga. Leave me. I'm sorry. Yeah. So have you ever seen it? How they harvest it? Only in videos. Yeah. With the big stick. And it seems crazy, huh? It just looks like a bunch of cork coming off that. You never know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty powerful. It's also a really good fire starter. (laughs) Yeah. I don't uh, know if I'd waste that though. I, I'm sure there's dry tinder somewhere. Keep that for a tea so or medicine. It's so hard too. It's, it's like it almost, it's very difficult to grind up. Um, where I was working before, we would powder it and get wild chaga and powder it. And it started a lot of fires in the, um, like hammer mill because it's just so hard and it yeah. lights on fire really quick. So, uh, but an amazing mushroom. So there you go. If you're a health enthusiast, get it. If you're a survivalist out there just looking for fire. <laughs> Perfect. So you mentioned that when you first came over to Spokane, one of the reasons why you wanted to get into the mushroom industry was because there really wasn't anything already established here. Um, and it, it just seems like mushrooms are really kind of taking over that wellness space a lot more. Do you think that's the reason why they've grown in popularity? And when did you kind of see that popularity for mushrooms grow? 
Um, I think that social media has mm. been a huge impact, has had a huge impact on the popularity of mushrooms. Um, just the way, I mean, it, it's, it's funny cause they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, for instance, the company I was working at before, I'd never heard of medicinal mushrooms and that was like 2012 and they'd been in business for 15 years selling this, you know? And so it's like all this knowledge was already there. Um, and just nobody could, could hear it and find it and see it. And so I think, um, social media has been huge on like accessibility to people and, um, things like YouTube and these things where you can go and say, how do I grow mushrooms? Mm-hmm. And somebody on YouTube is going to tell you how to grow mushrooms. And so the internet has been huge, I think, in, in making that and like, just having the accessibility to, you know, information, hopefully it's correct. Um, and, and resources to be able to do that. Um, I think like, especially with mushroom farming, it's still hard because there still isn't like really good resources for someone to, for instance, say like, um, you know, this, this, this looks really funny. What is this? Um, has anyone seen this before? You know, you're still using like forums, honestly, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny because it's like, and the forums are like psilocybin forums. So it's people, and you know, and then anyone can sound off on what they think it is. Right. And and so there's still actually that exists. There's not like, it's getting a lot better um, as far as like resources go, but, um, it, and it's still not great. It has a lot to go, but there's like, you can buy custom equipment now. You can buy anything you want to grow mushrooms. And, you know, 10 years ago, you had to make it all. Um, the mushroom industry farming went from like a lot of people who would do, who would start mushroom farms were like kind of, um, like engineering type people. Right. And they thought it was fun to like build this equipment and weld all this stuff and like, um, invent all these things they're like inventors and and a lot of those people have turned into actually like profitable businesses of building that actual invention they made to be a bagging machine or a sterilizer drum or um these other things so it's kind of cool but i think just like the more it grows the more people can have access to supplies they need do it at home do you find that your customers come up and they already know like kind of the mushrooms they're after or do you get a lot of customers that come up and say yeah I'm looking for something that will give me this benefit or um I think it's more people who aren't sure mm-hmm. of what they're looking for okay um I think one of the most charming things about Spokane is it's like five years behind the rest of the world <laughs> Uh, totally. I've always called it like the Canada of the U.S. because <laughs> like they're still listening to '90s music in Canada. If you've been up there, it's really funny. It's uh, not not '90s music. It's I like love it. I'm just saying it's like really funny. Like you'll go into like a like a bunch of places up there, and you're like on the radio there. Yeah. Um, and so I think like um, it's getting better just because we have a lot of influx of people from these other places, but. Um, most like a lot of the people in Spokane, which was one of the hard things when we started, hadn't haven't really had the exposure to mm-hmm. anything other than button, cremini, portobello, mushrooms, and so I still think the majority of um, people we interact with are um, not sure how to cook them, what they taste like, mm-hmm. what to do with them, what's good for what. We don't have a ton of people who are seeking out specifically like health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like a kind of a disconnect between supplements powdered supplements 
and like fresh mushrooms as far as like putting it that it's the same thing Mm -hmm. um, or that it's beneficial as well. I think people look for like capsules or things Mm -hmm. like that as far as medicinally. Well, speaking of that, (laughs) I did actually myself go and pick up some um, reishi, right? Reishi? Yeah, probably you could, you know, tomato tomorrow. Um, But mushroom powder just to, um, because it says immune health and stress balance and just to throw to my protein shake. But I'm curious what your um, thoughts are on it and kind of just to tell our listeners if they are out there looking for any mushroom products, kind of like what to look for, what to stay away from. Um, Obviously, I want to go to the source like you, Happy (laughs) Mountain Mushrooms, but um, just curious. Um, yeah, I think that it's ultimately going to be up to sort of like your personal, um, beliefs on a lot of it. I know there's a lot of, um, talk about whether like myceliated grains, um, are better or worse for you than like a fruit body product. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of companies will grow, um, will grow out just the mycelium on like a grain and then they'll dry it, powder it. Um, and then that's extracted or not. And then that's your supplement. And then companies, uh, some other companies will actually like fruit it and then take the entire thing. Um, and so there's kind of this argument I know in the supplement industry of whether or not like just mycelium is as good for you as, um, you know, the full spectrum Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I don't really know the answer to that. Uh, I think there's, you know, probably benefits to having all of it, but I, I have, um, definitely been involved in like analytical research and studies on just myceliated grains and the polysaccharide beta glucan contents in them are very high, very potent. Um, so I would say like to the, that's what I hear the most, like to people that are worried about just myceliated grains, um, that I, you're getting a plenty effect of effect from that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, uh, if there's too much to look out for. I would say, like, I'm a proponent of, um, organic supplements just because, um, mushroom, with mushrooms specifically, because mushrooms are, uh, they really soak up everything. Or like they are what they eat, just like we are, mm-hmm. um, more so almost because they really take all of that mass that they are growing on and convert it. Um, and so, I think you know if you're growing on something with a ton of pesticide in it, your mushrooms are going to be. I don't know. They're probably still good for you, but at what point does it outweigh it? I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I usually look for, but. Um, and then I don't know, extract, there's also an argument between, uh, extraction and non-extracted supplements. Um, and I think they're both good for you. Extracted, you usually have to take less just because it's concentrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that too, you probably want to look at the way it's extracted because a lot of extract processes can use some kind of nasty chemicals. So, um, inquiring or looking at seeing if it's like a hot water extract, an ethanol extract or, um, you know, the way that it's processed too is something mm-hmm. to look out for. Yeah. So I got to ask straight out, uh, is it, is there a cold press extract out there for mushrooms? Um, not that I know of there okay. might, there might very well be. Um, I just, I just sprayed the greenhouse with neem oil. So cold press neem oil is amazing. Yeah. It's way better than the 
regular process through heat and everything else. So I was wondering if it might be. The same I don't way. know of any like large companies that are doing it. And I don't know if it's just because of like technology, there isn't anything out there that's like on that scale to like extract. Um, cause it, but I, I don't know. Cause it's more of like a slurry than an oil. Okay. And then it has to get spray dried if you're doing a powder. So I don't know if, I don't know if you could do that. I would hope if you could, someone's on it. Cause I yeah, that'd so probably too. be really beneficial. So right now you just said everything. So I know nothing about what we're actually talking about. And I'm going to have to go do a lot of research. <laughs> oh, <when> I, give <laughs> that. I, I uh, did a, I taught a class to like some, um, like 10 or like presented to like some 10, 11, 12, 13, that age group. Uh-huh. And as I was talking, I was like, you have no idea how to talk to kids. <laughs> I was like talking about like tissue culture and like all, I was like, oh man. They're just wide eyed. They had no idea. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, oh. So you brought us some beautiful lion's mane mushrooms and I have not had any experience mm. with them. So how would you recommend I consume these um <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways it's definitely one of the densest mushrooms okay it, it mimics um meat pretty well in texture okay um and it kind of has like a s- seafood flavor to it oh um my favorite way that we've been eating it lately is to um tear it into like thinner pieces because you can kind of it shreds okay pretty easily so i i tear off like thin little like medallions from it and then i've been um breading it and then i put it in the air fryer and i've been using it as like chicken nuggets oh my gosh and it's really good it's super good yeah uh it's also just awesome and butter sauteed in butter but um the yeah it's a package i was like whoa (laughs) um but fried like crispy and fried is really good Awesome. Yeah. Ooh, can't wait to try it. Do you have to cook all, I mean, maybe not have to, but should you cook mushrooms in general, all of them? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because of chitin? Um, n- no, there's actually like a really, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, they just don't taste, like a lot of them are bitter when they're not cooked. But there's actually a really small amount of liver toxin in like all mushrooms. Okay. And when you cook them, um, Kind of Which is kind of like that carcinogenic thing you were talking about. Yeah, it breaks it down. Um, and so really, I mean, you're usually you're fine if you don't have like if you're healthy, you could eat them raw. Um, but if you have like any sort of liver condition, you really shouldn't eat them raw, which is funny because they serve like button mushrooms or cremini like raw in salads. And it shouldn't. It's so small, though, that you're probably like I said, you're probably fine. Yeah. Um but yeah, you should cook them. So just a good practice to be good practice. To cook it. Yeah. Okay. And then also just like whether they're wild or are, I mean, ours, you don't have to like wash them. That's also a common misconception as well. Like you have to wash them okay. um, with cultivated. You don't have ours specifically. You don't have to. Um, and it actually will ruin them if you wash them. Cause they'll just soak up all the that. water and get like mushy. Um, Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, I was like prepping my meal in my head and I was like, okay, so wash it first and cut it. Up no, you should there. wash the button. Um, Cremini Portobello. Um, they're grown in manure, so you want to wow. wash those for sure. Um, and they're easy to wash because they have that, like, s- the cap that's not, like, super porous. I mean, it's not going to soak up the water. And then wild mushrooms, you want to not wash, but soak in, like, a salt water. 
Okay. But is that to kill off any pathogens that are on it? Yeah, just water? bugs and get all the dirt out. If you soak it in like a salt water, it'll kind of extract everything and then okay. kill any yeah, bacteria nice. or anything. Um, the only thing that touches ours is a charcoal filtered water in the form of humidity. So you don't really have to wash them. But cooking all mushrooms is a good way to guarantee that in case, you know, somebody touched them, they fell, something like that. Then gotcha. You're kind of just... Play it safe. Yeah, play it safe. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been a fascinating <laughs> conversation. Um, Krista, we, you mentioned that you're at farmer's markets. Which farmer's markets are you at? Um, yeah, so this season we'll be at um, the Perry Street Farmer's Market, Liberty Lake Farmer's Market, and we will be at Fairwood up north. Um, and then uh, I like to mention Link because they're kind of like an online farmer's market as well. So mm-hmm. you can always get us through there too. Yeah, Link's awesome. And you guys have an online or have a website and can shop online? We yeah. do have a website. Okay. Um, it is just hanging on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was made by two people who don't use the internet much. Um, yeah, so we don't have, you can order grow kits okay. online. Uh, half the time there, it's like not on in stock. But uh, the best way is just to send us like an email or I would say call, but I just was telling him about my <laughs> spam call problem. So shoot us an email. <laughs> What's your email? Um, and it, you can just do info at happymountainmushrooms.com. Uh, if you go to the website, there's a page that you can just send a little note to us. Um, and then... Yeah, so we can you can order grow kits there, and the best way I would say like to kind of keep up with us, um, since our social media is a little bit stunted, is we have this um, like email list, okay. and so when anything like major happens, we just send like a blast out to everybody, so they know um, like we've restocked, or especially coming up when we are finishing up our farm, we'll really utilize that to tell people that it's open, they can come. Here's the hours. Um, we'll probably attempt our hardest to put it on social media as well, but if anyone falls along, you've seen how that's gone. So not that good. <laughs> Dwayne, we'll definitely have to take a field trip. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, please. Fire me I, I'm one of the things I'm most looking forward to is just showing it off. Um, Tanner's been like hand building most of it and it's been just so awesome to, um, learn from you know what we wanted to change what we want to change from our old farm and um, be able to do it i just every time i go in there and it's getting built i'm just so excited to, mm-hmm. it's gonna be so nice to have amenities and we've upgraded a lot of equipment and automated some things so it's gonna be really i'm just so excited <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's always good to have a new fresh space so we just installed bees up at the farm and so i've been doing a lot of research on them trying to keep up with all the information out there. And I've heard that mycelium is really good for bees to be able to get healthier, to fight off mites, to be able mm. to get whatever water, I guess, is what they're getting out of it and take it back to the hive. Have you heard anything about that? I haven't, but that is very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I have so many questions just from that statement. <laughs> How do they access them? Like what form, uh, what's the carrier that they would access the mycelium? So what from? I've seen is bark chips on the ground, yeah. inoculated, get the mycelium going. Okay. And then the bees will actually go in there. And I've seen a video of it and they'll paw awesome. the bark chips until they can get into it. And then they'll just start drinking out of there and they'll fly right back to the hive. And the, I think it was Paul Stamets who I was reading or listening to said that he had a hive that was kind of going down. And all of a sudden, it became one of his healthiest hives. The mites kind of just started slowly going backwards. The health of the bees started going up there. The production was increased. So 
Yeah, I was just wondering if you knew anything about that. I don't, but I I truly believe it. Um, I know they um, there's a lot of studies and research with cattle and horses feeding them myceliated substrate. Okay. Um, and improving their health because when they get like big herds, they'll get these like diseases that go rampant through them. And so there's been a lot of like ranchers who will give myceliated supplements or feed um, for the same thing to help their immunity. So I truly believe, I believe that the bees would be all over that too. That's awesome. So mushrooms are just healthy for everything. It, if you're living, absolutely. eat some mushrooms. <laughs> That's cool. You'll have to let me know how that goes. If you guys, yeah, I'll give you a call at some point, maybe, and if you answer, I will. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm it's joking. not my fault. I'll send an email through the info. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, Krista, we always love to play a little Spitfire round at the end of our interviews, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Are you down? I uh, yeah, I'll try my best. Okay. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, favorite local place to eat here in Spokane? That's a really hard question. <laughs> Um, I really love the grain shed. Yeah. And I don't say that because they use our mushrooms. I say that because they are magicians with food. Yeah. It's amazing. If anyone hasn't been there, isn't it incredible? Well, and I saw they have pizza night maybe coming up this week. Yeah. I think it's this week. And I'm definitely hitting that up. Yeah. Yeah. Where else can you, uh, or do you... What other restaurants here in town? Um, so Grain Shed is kind of our main squeeze right now. They are, they're the best. Um, uh, but we do partner with Inland Pacific Kitchen, Austin at Inland oh, Pacific Kitchen. Aust- I haven't yep. been there yet. And then it. that's kind of for restaurants. Restaurants are tricky. So mm-hmm. they change their menus a lot. <laughs> um, the mushrooms cook down quite a bit. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a really high price product. Um, Spokane, you know, we don't have like super high end dining. We do, but not yeah. like, you know, you're not Seattle. Right. Um, yeah, hopefully in the future. But yeah, those grain sheds, okay. I always like to plug them. But cool. that's probably my favorite place to eat. Yeah. Went there for, we went there for my birthday one year. Victor, who was back oh, there, had, was showing up to the farm. He was getting produce from us. And he was giving us tips. Like, this is really good. This is, you know, yeah. improvement, whatever. And uh, he brings me out this platter of food. And everybody in the restaurant is like, how do I get that? How do I get that? <laughs> he's the best. He's like, Sorry, that's um, yeah. birthday. VIP. I felt all, yeah. He's wonderful. the best. I, yeah, Victor's the best. It's magic. So what's your go-to beer after a long day of farming? Ooh, well, I am tied to Lumberbeard because that's where Tanner brews at. So okay. our fridge is like fully stocked with Lumberbeard beer. Um, so probably one of theirs. And where do you find Lumberbeard? I haven't heard of that one yet. They are downtown yeah. across from Dick's Hamburgers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. the, a new brewery downtown. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They Thank have a you. lot of really good IPAs. Um, but I have been drinking a lot of like hard seltzer (laughs) lately. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, I have always been a regular seltzer person. So that whole movement was, I'm, I was all for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can get on this. Um, so I usually do that, but I like, I like IPAs. There's, yeah. Okay, nice. Dwayne, you would like Lumberbeard because you kind of are looking like their logo. <laughs> yeah, it'd be perfect. <laughs> so if I walk in, can I just go to the kitchen and start yeah, brewing? You should, yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's me, so let me, <laughs> let me in the back. That would be funny. Um, curious, the last concert you went to. Oh, the last concert I went to was this band Ooh. on the shirt. Nolan Potter's Nightmare Band in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ooh, I'll have a to few weeks ago. 
them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, they're really cool. They're like kind of psychedelic rock, but the um, Nolan Potter, he plays the flute, like psychedelic wow. flute. What? It's really cool. Oh, I got to check, check this out. Yeah. yeah. Nolan Pottery. <laughs> it's fun. Hillary takes way better notes than I do. Oh, I've got Some of these whole days, thing. I'm going to actually look over there and read. Page going. <laughs> look at my chicken scratch. I'm all lost. <laughs> What's your favorite movie, and do you have a quote from it? Oh, boy. My favorite movie. Um, I. I think every time somebody asks me that, I think it's Ace Ventura. Um, <laughs> yes. I think um, When Nature Calls Okay. over Pet Detective. However, when I was younger, I could recite the entire Pet Detective movie from start to finish. It's ridiculous. Now, how would you say all righty then? <laughs> Please don't make me do that. <laughs> um, so that whole movie would be my favorite movie with all the quotes, but. They just don't make them like they used to. Oh, agreed. Those movies. I mean, mm. where else do you find Bumblebee Tuna? Right? <laughs> we got to get you to, out here to do all your favorite quotes during one of these days. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, where's the place you'd like to travel next? Um, so Japan mm. is next on my list. I was supposed to go in 2020, and that mm. kind of got... Shot down. Yeah. Um, so that's my that's my next trip. Hopefully uh sooner than later now that everything's starting to kinda get back to normal. Yeah. One final question that we ask all of our guests is Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Woo! I always cheer for the Beatles because <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't a be- like a huge I was a normal Beatles fan mm-hmm. until recently. Um, and Tanner got super, he like watched that and he's always been into him, but you know, that like four hour yeah, concert. Uh huh. And ever since then we've been listening to him a lot and they're so good. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not a big fan of like the early beboppy stuff, you know? Right. But once they really, yeah, it evolved. It's in so music, good. Yeah. I watched that documentary too. It's pretty Isn't it cool? fascinating. Yeah. They just sit in that room yeah. all the time and just go for it. <laughs> just really talented. Yeah. It's cool. Well, Krista, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, make sure that you go and check out Happy Mountain Mushroom. Find them at the farmer's markets, uh, email, <laughs> website. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call because the spam might be on. But thanks so much for being here, Krista. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to talk to you guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.